We are so thrilled to be partnering with Hinge. Hinge is the dating app designed to be deleted. As you all know, I'm a huge Hinge advocate as I met my partner of almost three years on the app. Even before meeting him, Hinge was always my go-to app because I met more relationship-minded people here and had some great dates. Clearly, I haven't been on the app for a little while, but I re-downloaded it to check out some of the new features. One that stood out to me was the voice prompt, my best friend's take on why you should date me, where your friend can hype you up. Not only does this make the profile creation less daunting, but it's not always easy to see your own green flags. So to test it out, I asked UA some fun prompts to get her take on what I could put if I was dating again. So the first one, how long have we known each other? What was your first impression of me and how has that changed? Julie and I have known each other for almost 10 years. My first impression of Julie was that she's very social, but I've learned that she has a lot more depth to her beyond the social butterfly that she is. My next prompt, what do you think are my green flags? I would say she's deeply loyal. She believes in love, curious mindset, and she is fearlessly ambitious. And then last but not least, what kind of friend am I? Julie is the kind of friend who will always have your back, no matter what. Damn, that feels nice to hear. So download Hinge and try voice prompts today. Then find someone worth deleting the app for. I love wine, but sometimes it can get really expensive, which is why I'm so excited that today's episode is brought to you by Last Bottle Wines. If you don't know, they're a Napa-based online wine shop with a twist. They offer just one hand-picked wine per day until it sells out, which is often an hour's. So new day, new wine, always at incredible prices. We're talking 30 to 70% off retail. And the best part is that there's no subscriptions, no fees, and no minimum purchase. Just a daily email with a really great wine. They're offering Datable listeners 10% off your first order with code Datable. And now is such a great time to join as their marathon sale is coming up on March 28th and 29th. They flip that one day rule on its head and offer back to back deals, which means that wines are only up on the site for a couple minutes at a time and shipping is 100% free. They send us a mini marathon package of some of their favorites and let me tell you, they were delicious. Sign up at lastbottlewines.com and use the code datable and find out why Last Bottle is the most fun way to discover and buy amazing wine. The Dateable Podcast is an insider's look into modern dating that the Huffington Post calls one of the top 10 podcasts about love and sex. On each episode, we'll talk to real daters about everything from sex parties to sex droughts, date fails to diaper fetishes, and first moves to first loves. I'm your host, USU, former dating coach turned dating sociologist. You'll also hear from my co-host and producer, Julie Kraftchik, as we explore this crazy dateable world. Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Dateable Podcast. We are so happy to bring you another episode with just Julie and I. We always like spending a little quality time, just the two of us, with you all joining us in this party for two. This episode is a topic that (laughs) I feel like we talk about quite a bit in the community, and we talk about it casually, but we haven't had a formal episode Mm -hmm. on it. So I'm glad that I'll give credit to Julie. She's like, 
We got to do one about situationships. People want to talk about situationships. It's so true. We were kind of thinking about what would be a good topic, and that is what came to mind. Mm -hmm. Because in today's world, situationships are so prevalent. Yes. Maybe we can start by defining what a situationship is. So the definition that we found was a romantic or sexual relationship that is not considered to be formal or established. Mm -hmm. So typically, there is no DTR conversation to find the relationship. You are generally feeling ambiguous about what is happening (laughs) when you have to ask yourself, what is this? And you're probably not even asking the other person. Maybe you got the group text like on blast analyzing their every move you're probably in a situation yep but a situationship is still a relationship i think that's still important to understand because you are in a relational dynamic with someone else it's just not clearly defined as in boundaries and what it is exactly Mm -hmm. that you're doing yeah and generally the two people are not committed to each other. Right. Or at least not formally committed to each other. <laughs> Is this like describing everybody out there right now? I feel like so many people are like, yes, that's me. I feel like it. I think there is a difference, though. This isn't in the formal definition, but I think at the early stages when you first start dating, then I wouldn't describe that Mm. as a situationship. When you're probably like a month in and you're just going on one date a week or something, that to me is early stage dating, just trying Mm -hmm. to get to know each other. I personally think a situationship is when, you know, wartime has gone by and things continue to be ambiguous. There's no sign of progression. Maybe you're not even going on formal dates. Right. That someone's inviting you over to their house a lot. And maybe it's very last minute plans or group hangs. I think all that that isn't as formal dating with the the end goal being a relationship, I think it's okay that early dates wouldn't necessarily be a relationship from day one or a committed relationship from day one. I think you said it very clearly when you have to ask, what is this? That is a symptom of a situationship. On a first (laughs) date, you wouldn't ask, what is this? Yeah, it's a first date. You'd just be like, "It's we're dating. We're trying to get to know each other. We're trying to see what this is. But maybe it's the fifth time you've hung out. You've maybe met two of their friends. And then they introduce you as their friend or something. And then you start questioning, what the hell is this? Or it's like six months and you hear from them every month and it's not consistent. Or even if it's consistent, but whenever you try to bring up a DTR, they kind of shy away from it. I think that's another sign. Mm -hmm. Yep. Or you just let something go on forever and ever and don't bring up DTR or set boundaries and just assume Mm -hmm. that the other person is going to bring it up. That's also a very interesting situation. Been there, done that guilty. Well, that's a good segue. I was going to ask you, Yue, have you been in a situationship? Because I certainly have. Haven't we all? This is just one of those (laughs) situations like ghosting where everyone has experienced it. I feel like every dating sitch that I've been in in between relationships has been a situationship. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You go from relationship to this layover of situationship land. And then you go to your destination of a relationship. The one that can I can really pinpoint exactly was, you know, one of those situations where you go, yep, that's a situationship. 
is I, I remember that challenge we did where I had to go on Tinder and ask guys if they were opposed to <laughs> hooking up. Do you remember that? Oh, my God. Throw back to season one for anyone that's coming in hot. Was that seriously fucking season one? It was season one. Yes. It was wow. season one. We were so... Back in the day. Or maybe the challenge... No, the challenge was initiated in season one, but you did it in season D- in two. In season but two. that okay. was still... We're hitting seven years ago. <laughs> so it was a while ago. Damn. Also, yes, for... Anybody who just caught that, Julie reminded me this morning that we're going on seven years. I still have six years seven in my mind. Years. Yes. I thought we were five going on six, but you're right. It's six going on seven. Holy shit. So much older and mature than we thought. Anyway, this situationship in particular, we did that challenge. I sent out, I don't know, hundreds some messages on Tinder to randos saying, would you be opposed to hooking up? And there was one guy that had a very normal response because most of the responses were not normal. One guy, I remember this one response was, I'm not opposed to hooking up, but I got to go to the mall and get shoes first. Are you available later? I, I was just like, wow, cool. Thanks for <laughs> thanks for penciling me in, dude. But this guy in particular said, I wouldn't be opposed to anything in life, but I'm curious why you're asking the question. Okay, so we had a, a good banter back and forth. And this was right around Valentine's Day. And we went on a date, I think it was like two days after Valentine's Day, wonderful first first date together. He did reveal on his first on this first date something very interesting about him because we were talking about where is the most memorable place you've been to. Okay. And he said, Antarctica on my honeymoon. <laughs> <laughs> and I went, What? And he said, Yes, I am recently divorced, but I went on a honeymoon in Antarctica seven years ago. Okay, so that sets the tone a little bit. But he was recently divorced, actually still going through his divorce. I was just thinking about this on my way driving home today. We went on seven dates. Crazy, that number seven again. (laughs) And it was a very defining moment on the sixth date. I had a sleepover at his place. He told me about his parents. He told me about his life goals. We made plans for a future hangout and I slept over and we kind of played house for the night. And the next morning I woke up and I felt so empty because I just felt like he was not Mm. able to give me that. It was a fantasy I was living in. So I remember so fondly on our seventh date, I went into it asking him, I said, I really want a relationship where I'm the entree and not just the appetizer or a side dish. Are you able to give that to me. And he said, I'm not able to give that to you at this time. And so we broke up that night. That is the worst DTR I've ever heard. (laughs) Well, (laughs) listen, I've never been good at DTR, never claimed to have been. But this was just, this is cringy. This is like so cringy. Well, I think it's because you knew. I knew. You kind of were setting it up that way. You knew. And I think a lot of times in our gut, we do know. And I'm thinking about one of mine. I can think of a few different examples that are slightly different that I I would define as situationships now. I think when I had these the word situationship didn't exist or they would have made it a lot more easy to define it. But one was, I've mentioned him on the podcast and on again, off again, 
like friends with benefits mm-hmm. that was someone in my social circle. I don't think we ever went on a real date ever. Yet we saw each other every weekend because we were always going out with friends and anytime I would try to get away, he was there. So that was that piece. That being said, now looking at it now, it was clear that it was for him a hookup of friends with benefits, when it, which in a way is not a situation That's very defined. That is a defined state. But in my mind, I didn't want it to be that. I wanted it to be more. Mm-hmm. So that's when it became a situationship. And I think sometimes this ambiguity may not actually be ambiguity. It might just be that the expectations and reality don't align. Yes. I think that term situationship does give this idea of conflict. Like you're internally conflicted mm-hmm. about something. If you're just unsure about somebody or you're so exploring the relationship, you wouldn't say, oh, I'm in a situationship. The situationship no. is obviously you want something more <laughs> and you just haven't quite right. gotten it yet. Right. They're not giving it to you or they're. it's clear they're not on the same page, but you're not ready to throw in the yep. towel. I think that's a big piece. The other example that I would point to that's a little different was I mentioned on my episode last week where UA interviewed me. Such a fun episode. (laughs) It really was. Uh, An on-again, off-again ex-boyfriend where we definitely were very defined in certain periods. And then there were certain other periods that maybe were a little looser defined and we hadn't decided that we were going to move into a relationship again. But we were, you know hanging out as friends. But as you know, that becomes more. And it wasn't, I knew it wasn't a friends with benefits situation or anything like that. But we also weren't like, let's give this another try at this stage. So there were definitive periods that we gave it another try. And then there were some periods mixed in that it was a little grayer, a little looser. Mm -hmm. And I would call that a situationship too. Mm hmm. So many different faces of what a situationship could look like. (laughs) And we talked about some of the signs you could look for if you are in a situationship. Mm -hmm. Here's the biggest sign is, you know, you're in a situationship. Okay. (laughs) You don't have to ask, am I in a situationship? You know, when you're in a situation. If you're asking your friends, if you're asking your friends what this means, yet you're not asking that person, you're in a situationship. Precisely. Yes. If every time you go out to brunch, all you're talking about is what this means and what that means with this person, you're in a situation. Bingo. We should have one of those flow charts where it's like, if yeah. this, then <laughs> situationship. And p- p- basically everything just points to, yes, you're in a situationship. Why do we think everyone has been in a situationship? Why is mm. this so prevalent in today's dating culture? I mean, I think for a few reasons. One is that people, we called it relationship chicken. People Mm. don't want to show their cards. They don't want to be the first person to say that they want something more or to ask for commitment. That's why the DTR is so scary for a lot of people is because if the answer isn't what they wanted to hear, then it almost symbolizes that they're a failure or their ego is being crushed in this. And I personally believe that until you're ready to put your ego aside and not kind of give a fuck, Mm -hmm. then that's when you can actually start to have those authentic conversations. And and the situations prevail because neither party ever wants to talk about what's happening because there's a fear that it'll end because it's not the news that we want to hear. Exactly. In the situationships that I've been in, I can 
wholeheartedly say I was just testing the other person on their interest level. Mm -hmm. And so by testing someone, I don't initiate anything. I'm waiting for them to initiate conversation, Mm. ask me out, show me that they're interested. But if I'm not showing any interest on my end, how do I expect someone else to step forward for me? Right. (laughs) Uh, So basically, I was just waiting for a science experiment to happen when I was putting no ingredients in this test tube for anything to happen. And I think in that situation ship I was talking about that night when I asked for something more, he was actually very thrown off by the conversation because we never talked about us for those six dates preceding. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden I was like, let's talk about a relationship. And by the way, I want the whole shebang. He was just... Right. So surprised by the conversation. Okay, well, I can't give you that. And so it makes a lot a lot more sense. But I think it's it perpetuates itself because to me, once that happened, it made me be more closed off to the next person I met, mm-hmm. thinking that I was going to get hurt or be bamboozled in my eyes. That's what happened. And then you just end up like retreating even more, that relationship chicken even more. I'm not mm-hmm. going to show any more interest. I'm going to close myself off. Right. I think a lot of it, too, is is our generation lacks communication skills because this isn't something we've ever been taught in school. And a lot of us have put off relationships to further career or move to a new city or invest in ourselves kind of thing. And I think sometimes having these conversations I don't even want to say sometimes, oftentimes having these conversations is very daunting. We hear all the time from people saying, I don't want to have a DTR. It feels like I'm asking for the world from this person. But we always say it doesn't need to be that way. It can just be a simple conversation that's more in passing. It doesn't need to be this, we need to talk, you know, like this big thing. But I think that's a big piece of it too, is that we bottle things up for so long that when it finally comes out, it comes out in I want yes. the whole entree type of way, opposed to just seeing where what page the other person is on in a natural conversation. Yeah, like the DTR doesn't have to be one climatic conversation no. of professing your love to someone. I think the DTR should be discussed along the way. You know, when you feel like you, you right. want to define something or set some boundaries or to understand or to clarify, you DTR and then you just keep on DTRing until you get to a committed relationship where you don't. <laughs> I mean, we've heard people even say that they don't want to ask what someone's looking for because yeah. it feels too much. Yeah. And I actually think the best time to get a gauge of where someone's at is before you really start dating. Yes date one or so, because then it's not personal. Of course, people, you know, sometimes will say they want something and they don't act the same way or vice versa. So it's never 100% because they said it, it will happen. But I think when you take yourself out of the equation and just ask what is important to you in life, where do you want your life to go? It doesn't need to be a formal con- like conversation. It can just be more in passing. I think that's a really great time to get into someone's mindset of where they are. The fucked up part about situationships is that we keep, we stay in situationships because of the unknown. Because we're doing the guesswork, mm-hmm. it makes it more exciting to try to be mind readers. But that is the very same thing that is keeping us anxious, <laughs> right? When you don't know when they're going to text back, why haven't they returned your messages? Yep. You don't know if you're still seeing them on Thursday, even though you said you were going to see each other on Thursday. <laughs> it's one of those things. It's like it's, it's a... You, you self-perpetuate and you get yourself in this 
deep, Mm -hmm. dark hole of anxiety. So I feel like let's dig ourselves out of there. And sometimes when you have to question chemistry is, am I attracted to this person because they are aligned with my core values? Or am I attracted to them because I don't know anything about them and they're keeping me guessing? Right. I think there's a few reasons why that happens. I think a big piece of it is sometimes, and I can speak to this personally, so I'm sure a lot of people have been here, is that you feel like you're ready for a committed relationship, but your actions speak otherwise. I remember when I was in that situation I was talking about earlier with the friends with benefits, my best friend being like, are you sure you want a relationship? Because if you really did, why would you be doing this? Uh So I think sometimes we think we're ready and we're really not if we're entertaining these more, you know, these wild card situations, right? So I think there's that piece. The other piece, there's actually a behavioral psychology term for it, is the present bias. Mm. And that means that whatever is in front of us current day actually seems better than what's in the future, because we can't see our future selves. It's really hard to Mm. imagine. Let's say you're with this person, for instance, and you know they they aren't the person. You know they don't treat you well. You know there's no future with them, yet you feel drawn to keep hanging out with them. It's hard to see you with someone that treats you better maybe a year down the line or three years down the line because it doesn't. It almost feels like it's not you in that case. Mm-hmm. It's this mysterious version of you that is a figment of imagination at that time. And I actually think that's why situationships are so dangerous too is that every second we're in the wrong relationship, it means that we can't be in the right one. Mm-hmm. But with this present bias, it feels better than nothing. And some of that could be that we just can't see into the future because it's unknown. I, I mentioned this on the episode that I did with you last week is feels better to talk about someone than no one, or it feels better to be with someone than no one. And it's almost short sighted, but it also explains it with this bias. Well, our brains are just really screwed up, traumatized kids, right? We talked about how the brain (laughs) is evidence seeker, not a truth seeker. So when Mm -hmm. you are lonely for, you know, let's say, take that as an example, or when your friends are asking you if you're still single, your brain is looking for evidence of you not being single. So if you are in a situationship, Mm -hmm. you you can talk about that person, even though you haven't spoken right. spoken to that person or d- defined the relationship with right. that person. <laughs> and I think that is the biggest danger of a situationship. It's the relationship you created when you aren't in contact with each other <laughs> outweighs your actual real relationship. And then your mm-hmm. mind spirals. The fantasy. It, yep. You have this metaverse of a relationship. And then you have the real verse, <laughs> real world universe relationship. And they don't always coincide with each other. And to me, that's when I've been in very dangerous situationships I couldn't get out of mm-hmm. because it just felt so much better to talk about the fantasy of the relationship mm-hmm. than to face a reality of the situationship. I am actually thinking of another situationship I've been in. Here we go. (laughs) I feel like they're all starting to roll in, right, as we get the conversation started. But there was one, there was a guy I met on Match.com, and I think this was early early Match.com days. This was 
probably like 2010, 10 years ago. Uh And I remember, you know, we had a really great like first three dates that felt very formal. It felt like it was progressing in the right direction. And then all of a sudden he became super unavailable. And our primary mode, he would email me from work (laughs) all the time. Like it wouldn't even be text message or phone calls. But in my mind, I still thought this was something. Mm -hmm. And I would talk about him with friends. I would, you know, I would try to date other people because I think I knew deep down it wasn't a real relationship, but it would always come back to comparing it to this person. And maybe I would see him once a month, if even in person. Uh We worked and lived down the street from each other. So why we had to communicate through email all the time was beyond me, but it was because he didn't want a real relationship with me, right? He wanted a situationship because there's probably some benefit he was getting from it too, that he felt that he had someone interested. There was attention. I think a lot of people like the attention at the end of the day. Yeah, it's called a convenience ship. You do it when it's convenient yeah, for you. Exactly. And keep the door right. open. There's limited effort. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And then he met someone that he got married to like a week later. Right. Exactly. That's the fucked up part because you think you start reason reason it in your mind that, oh, he's just not ready for a relationship. Like He's just too busy or mm-hmm. whatever. And then you find out that, no, it actually just just you are no. not meant to be together. <laughs> There's someone else out there. You for them. were just a distraction for them. So when do you think it's a good time to end a situationship? I think when you know it's not going anywhere. Mm. And this can take longer to recognize in some situations than others. I mean, personally, if I was to redo any of my situationships I just mentioned, now that I know all the things I know, I would have just been a lot more direct from day one. And rather, I the way I look at it is, even if the answer is no, I don't want to be in a relationship with you, or no, I don't want to work to see if this could be a relationship, I'd rather know now, opposed to do something that's six months later, a year later, like getting strung along Mm -hmm. and never having those conversations because I was afraid to. And that would be the one thing I think if I could do anything in my dating life differently, it would be that not just hope for this magical day when they're gonna bring things up, but just take much more control. So I would say if I was to advise people that are in situationships, don't be afraid to have that conversation. Just do it ASAP. If you're thinking that you might be at a situationship, put it on the table. And what that putting it on the table might mean different things for different people, depending on the situationship. If you've been in and, each, in, in and out of each other's lives for six months or more, I think you could put something a little more drastic on the table of like, what are we doing here? Mm-hmm. If it's relatively newer, then I think it could be more like I'm looking ultimately for a relationship. Like, what are you looking for? You know, like the variation can really be different based on the situation, but having something and seeing how they react, I think, is step number one. It's about being aligned on what you are both looking Mm -hmm. for and also controlling the narrative. When we get stuck in situationships, we let external factors control the narrative and we're just sitting ducks waiting for things to happen. But a time to get to get out of situationships, like in the example that I gave, the night that I felt more 
feelings for him because I found out more about his family and was in his home. Mm -hmm. I should have addressed it right there. I should have said, I'm sorry to have feelings for you. I know you're currently going through divorce. Are you open to a relationship down the line? It doesn't have to be today, but are you open to it down the line? That would have, there's no pressure there, but at least I would have said something and taken control of that narrative. Instead, I bottled up those feelings and wished magically that he had the same feelings. And then it all burst by the time that I made that very cringy entree comment, which I still regret to today. But that is something I learned when I went into my current relationship was because he was also going through divorce. And I asked him flat out, I have feelings for you. Are you open to love and a relationship down the line? And he said, yes. So well, it makes for good podcasting that you said that. So (laughs) the journey. Before we get into it, let's hold that thought for a few messages. This episode is brought to you by Murad Skincare, a line of clinically proven, cruelty-free products that meet the meticulous standards for safety, efficacy, and care you expect from a doctor. One of my favorite products is the Invisiscar Resurfacing Treatment, which I've already seen some results from, from using it for just a few weeks. Founded by Dr. Howard Murad, who is a board-certified dermatologist and trained pharmacist, recognized around the world as a visionary for his unmatched scientific innovations, Murad has also launched a digital magazine and a podcast podcast called Well Connected by Murad, connecting the dots between science and wellness. Find the digital magazine at wellconnected.murad.com and the podcast Well Connected by Murad wherever you listen to your podcast. And for dateable listeners only, go to murad.com and enter the code dateable for 20% off and free shipping for orders of $60 or more. Again, that's murad.com and enter the code dateable, D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E, for 20% off and free shipping for $60 or more. This episode is sponsored by Via. We all know there are things that can help set the mood in the bedroom, but did you know a little THC could also do that? Yes, Via has developed a unique blend of pleasure-enhancing cannabinoids, libido-strengthening herbs, and a low dose of THC all into one mind-blowing gummy called High Love. This gummy, wow, it will awaken your senses, increase blood flow, and intensify any sexual experience. I've been pleasantly surprised by the High Love gummies because it is just the right amount of THC. THC for me to have a good time without feeling sleepy. And hey, if THC is not your thing, Via also offers a wide array of other gummies without it. And everything legally ships in 50 states with discreet packaging directly to your door. So if you're over 21, you can get 15% off and a free pack of award-winning Dreams THC plus CBN sleep gummies with our exclusive code DATEABLE at ViaHemp.com. That's V-I-I-A-H-E-M-P.com. Let the gummies work their magic. Head to viahemp.com and use the code DATEABLE to receive 15% off and one free sample of their sleepy dream gummies. That's viahemp.com and use the code D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E at checkout. Take your passion and pleasure to a whole new level with high love from Via Hemp. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. 
We are so excited to share with you our new podcast, Exit Interview. Dates don't usually end with a satisfaction survey, and yet we rate everything in our lives, from Uber drivers to local coffee shops. So why don't we do the same thing when dating? We're here to conduct the ultimate romance review, featuring daters hungry for love who have agreed to call up old flames to gather honest feedback. Welcome to Exit Interview. He upgraded himself to business class while I was in economy. Wait, <laughs> wow. What? There's feedback that will make you cringe. She could be a little bit hard-headed, like not reading the writing on the wall. And feedback that will make you swoon. But she said that she had feelings for you. I had no idea. Really? <laughs> and maybe you'll learn a thing or two yourself about how you can be a better dater, lover, or partner. Obviously, like, Nina's going to learn something. I didn't expect this. Welcome to Exit Interview. Listen to Exit Interview on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I think we've been addressing a lot when you really like this person, but you feel like the feelings aren't mutual or it's not defined. So I think there is very much, that's probably the most common situationship. Uh But then I think there's another breed of situationship that maybe both parties are into it, but they both know deep down this isn't the right fit, Mm -hmm. but they still propel it forward because of some of the things we talked about earlier that it's better than no one Mm -hmm. or they can't see into the future to a better partner. So they're sticking with what they've got in front of them. So I think this one's interesting too. And I think the biggest piece of this is knowing what you're ultimately looking for in a partnership and taking the time to really get in tune with yourself, putting this person, like not putting them as the center focus of it, but just more of generally, what is it that I want? And where do you see that you're not aligned with this person? And can you have conversations that either can show you that maybe you just don't know if you're aligned or you're definitely not aligned? I think the second you see that you're not aligned, again, this is easier said than done because especially if both parties really want to keep going with this, it's so essential to break free from it. Because like we said, every second you're with the wrong person, you can't be with the right person. I met a woman recently who's been in a 15-year situationship. And he proposed (laughs) and she did not accept the ring but did not break up with him either. And when I asked her how she would describe him, he said, she said, he's basically like my cousin. So now our inside joke is you're dating your cousin. In that situationship, I asked her flat out, why are you still with him? She said, for many reasons, it satisfies my family's pressure to be with someone. It satisfies societal Mm. pressure to be with someone. I don't feel so alone, even though we don't see each other that much at all. And I feel safe in this world to have someone around. And then Mm. my next question was, do you believe there's someone better out there for you? And she said, absolutely, yes. That is Mm. what you were saying too, Julie, is every minute you spend in a situationship is preventing you from being with someone who is a better fit for you. She knows Mm -hmm. she's just delaying that fact. And that person could be right around the corner, but they can't, they're not going to be around the corner for that much longer. So we have to understand these doors, when you close one door, another one does open, but you have to close that door first 
That's really fascinating that she actually still believed it yet wasn't making moves to get out of it. But I think a lot of times we don't believe that. I think for me, when I've been in situationships, it's because I did not like I believe this was maybe the best I could do at the time or Mm. I wasn't fully worthy of a relationship. And sometimes that's not even consciously that you're aware of it. I think sometimes looking in retrospect, you're able to see it. If you are in a situationship, maybe it is having the hard conversations with yourself of what is really the root of why Mm. you're continuing to let something continue. Because some of it could just be be that self-esteem or, you know, the self-love that's needed to move you to really see that this isn't the right person for you. A major takeaway that stuck with me for so long ever since we've done that episode was when we interviewed Dr. Gladys Otto and she said your relationships Mm -hmm. are a reflection of your relationship with yourself. So when you allow yourself to be in a situationship, what are you really saying about how you view yourself and your self-worth? I think there's a lot to be said there. You're afraid to confront what it is that you really want, what what it is that you deserve. And also you're afraid Mm -hmm. to see that there is better for you. You deserve better than this. So think about that quote, because when you turn it around on yourself, then maybe it will help you sort of surface out of this. Yeah, I think there's also the societal pressure to be in a relationship. That's a big piece of it. And personally, I think when I learned to be comfortable being single and not feel that I needed someone in my life, there were so many years that for me, I didn't have someone real in my life, but I had someone all the time. Mm -hmm. And it made me feel validated. It made me feel like there wasn't something wrong or I was like an outsider. And I think until you can get comfortable being single, that's when you'll have less, I guess you would have less patience for these things that like these situationships that really aren't real. Uh, I think so many times it comes down to, well, I could go out with them on a Friday night or stay at home. Mm -hmm. But what if there's another alternative that you could do something else freaking awesome on a Friday night? So you're not accepting plans out of lack of, but more that you want to do something. Yeah, yeah, that's a really great way of putting it. How do you find how do you find a partner who enhances versus just being mm-hmm. an alternative? You don't ever want to just be an alternative right. to someone's Friday night plans. You want to be the one enhancing their Friday night plans. And we all deserve to be with that kind of person, right? So what that, what happens when a situationship resurfaces after you've ended it? They Oof. come back. They're like, yo, guess what? I missed you. I'm ready to do this. Let's keep this thing going. Ugh. This is the hardest because it's so much easier to walk away from something when their person isn't coming back like full throttle at you, right? I think it's maybe it's having a prepared text message that you've saved in your phone that says, you know, we already discussed that this isn't the right fit and not what we're looking for. You know why I'm not responding or just not responding. It depends on the situation too and yourself. I know for me, sometimes it's hard not to respond. So I'd rather just respond and be blunt of like this. We've already had this conversation. Mm -hmm. We already know how this like results. Let's not go there again. But everyone is different 
also journaling and maybe remembering the the reasons why you got out of this situationship. Because sometimes when you're lonely and it's been months, you kind of just remember the good and don't always remember the bad. And then as soon as you re-engage, the bad comes back in full steam. And it's also how they come back. If they come back and they just want to keep doing the same things over again, they want to just hang out, then that just means... They just want exactly what you two had before. There's There are no changes. But if they do come right. back and say, I am serious now and I have a different mindset around you and I, I think that is worth a discussion because it reminds me of our episode with Jesse and Cassie from, uh, what was that episode called? Is it the right time or the right person? I think it's from two seasons ago. Yep. They were in a very long-term situationship, basically fuck buddies. Yeah. <laughs> then they became friends and then they were flirty. And on a solo trip, he realized that Cassie was the one for him. And he professes love. And she was like, hold up, buddy. How? If that is the case, how yeah. are we going to do this? And they had a very pragmatic discussion around logistics. How are we going to build a future together? And here they are, what, two years later, married with a kid. So, you know, it, give. I think everybody deserves a second chance, but it's how they approach it. And then you got to ask, OK, and then how are we going to do this differently this next time around? I'm so glad you brought that up because I agree. I think it's not what they're doing coming back. It's why they're coming back and how they're going to implement it. And just the talk is, you know, it's nice to hear that someone misses you and all of that. But I've been here too many times that it's great for a month and then the same issues Mm -hmm. come back. I loved what Jesse and Cassie did or what Cassie did for Jesse was be like, okay, this sounds great, but what is the plan here? Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. How is it going to be different? It needs to be different. There needs to be whatever the problem was needs to be resolved. It is a lazy thing to fall back to what you've always been doing. It takes a lot more courage, effort, and time to make a change. So I think with situationships, always question, is this a change that's about to be made? Or are we just reverting back to what we used to do? So okay, so the person's come (laughs) back, you've made the conscious decision, say there's nothing new that's going to go down. It's the same old shit. How do you actually move forward and stop having situationships and having real committed relationships where you're an equal partner and this person thinks that you are as great as you think they are? Yeah. Raise your hand if you're if you want the answer to that. <laughs> I had to think about this for so long because I was in situationship after situationship and I was pulling out my hair trying to figure out why. That was my pattern of behavior. And it finally dawned on me it's because I was waiting for things to happen. I was not taking things into mm-hmm. my own hands and controlling the narrative. I think all of those situationships I was in could have been avoided if I had addressed my feelings the day I felt them and established mm-hmm. my feelings with the partner I was with and also to talk about expectations and values and what we're looking for, you know, like the shit that matters in a relationship Mm -hmm. versus the waiting by the phone. Oh my goodness. It's a rainy night. I wish my situationship would call me, but no, I'm not going to call them because then I would lose. Like, fuck that. Who cares? 
Well, I definitely remember you being very different with that. And I think a lot of it comes down to gender dynamics, too. Mm. Of course, men, like heterosexual, we're talking here. Heterosexual men can certainly be in situationships, too. I'm not saying that they can't. But I think a lot of it is because women have been told that men are supposed to make all the moves. They're supposed to ask for the dates. They're supposed to text first. They're supposed to say, I love you first, or ask for the DTR. All the steps along the way historically have been men driving it. And it's almost seen like, am I going to be, you know, seen less valuable if I'm the one doing this? Uh But it's freaking 2022. And All we've learned from this is that it basically doesn't give us what we want. So why would we, in theory, if we want an equal partnership, why would we be afraid to have these conversations? Right. All it's doing is setting us up on equal footing from day one. And I feel like all the men that I know and talk to feel like it's so attractive when a woman does this, especially if they're into them, of course. If you're into someone, you're never going to say, oh, I wish I was the one to bring it up first. Right. That's so, you know, such a turnoff. I think it would just be like, I'm so thrilled they brought it up. Or if they weren't feeling the same, it's an opportunity for you two to realize that now, yes. opposed to six months later when you don't, you know, you're both on totally different pages. Yes. But yeah, a lot of it comes from the way that the relationship advice we've been given from the rules and cosmopolitan, all that shit that's really fucked us over the years. Oh, I know. And we have to unravel it all and unlearn it and uh, change the whole dating dynamic and culture. I mean, that's why we do this podcast, because just Julie and I alone have learned so much about how to do dating differently. And I feel like what I've learned from situationships is that for, for relationships to grow, you have to water the plant and you have to tend to the plant. Situationships, you let the plant die. And then at the end, you are surprised why the plant wasn't healthy because <laughs> nobody was watering it. Yeah. Everyone's sitting back waiting for the other person to water the plant. So the watering the plant is my metaphor for DTRing. But again, it's not that you just do one grand gesture of a DTR and then you get your answers. I think you just have to keep watering the plant. Let the other party know your feelings Let them know what you expect in communication. Something Mm -hmm. as simple as what's your texting style, even the beginning of dating, will help you so much later in the relationship. (laughs) If you find out that they don't like to text, they don't write novels, they don't check their texts every day. Hallelujah. That answers so many questions just by that alone. So let's just keep watering the plant and then you'll have a healthy plant at the end. I love that analogy. I do want to resonate again on this concept that dating is the biggest reflection of yourself Mm. in the relationship you have with others is the relationship you have with yourself. Because I think a big piece of situationships is that you don't deserve better or can't do better or whatever other reason is in your mind that relates back to you. And how can we shift it to think that we are a freaking catch and someone would be like so lucky to be with us 
And then when someone isn't showing those signs, instead of trying harder to make them like you, you don't want to be with them because Mm. you don't want to be with someone that doesn't want to be with you. I think when you can turn the tables into asking, does this person like me to do I like them? Or, you know, does this person make me feel good? Mm. Like all of this stuff that is a reflection of what you actually deserve and want in a partnership, then it makes it a lot easier to walk away from things that are clearly either not going anywhere or that just, you know, are not the fit in your core. And a lot of times it is listening to your gut. I know for me, when I've gotten in trouble is it's because I didn't listen to my gut. I knew it and I tried to justify it some other way. And I think that is the danger of being in the fantasy. I, I so have been there. And also I've been guilty to be part of conversations over brunch with girlfriends where you know Mm -hmm. your girlfriend's in a situationship and you want to call them out so bad, but you don't want to be the one to call them out. But this is when you know your friend is in a situationship is that they keep defending the person they're with. It's like, oh, I haven't heard from him in two weeks, but I know he's really busy. And the last time we hung out, I talked to his mom on the phone. You know, something stupid, like something that just keeps dangling the carrot in front of her. And those moments you're Mm -hmm. like, come on, come on, stop being, stop being the person who keeps defending the person you're with. You you should, that's not your responsibility. And I know I've done that too, to keep defending someone. And I think when you're in a situationship is different because you keep, again, your brain keeps looking for evidence. So it's seeking evidence that this person's so into you and they want to be in a relationship with you. But check back right. into reality and know that, okay, no, that's actually not the case. They've actually said they don't want to be in a relationship or they haven't called you in days and it's not consistent. Come on. Like, you know, listen to your gut. You know when you're in a situationship and you know when you're defending them too much. Yeah, writing things out, I think is extremely helpful, especially when you have the revelation that this isn't the relationship that's right for you. What you just said, how can you actually, instead of finding evidence one way or another, just write straight up what's happening? Yeah. And then is this the relationship I want, (laughs) right? So I think that's one piece of it. I think the friends is a good litmus test too. I've had so many friends that will say stuff and talk all about this other person. I ask, have you talked to this person? Yeah, yes, like straight. And the answer is always no. Uh And it's like, I don't know. I'm not this person. And I think the best relationships and the most secure relationships you don't need your friend's advice mm-hmm. in them because you are just talking directly to your partner. Right. And that's ultimately what a partnership is. It's not this speculation and investigation. And that's the difference between a situationship and a actual real committed partnership. Well, when you talk to your friends, what you're doing is you're asking for validation. That is it. I'm oh, looking yeah. for real advice. So <laughs> if validation is what you need, you need to seek that from your direct partner and not from third parties mm-hmm. who are have no relationship to the two of you and who cannot comment about someone they know nothing about. 
Yeah, and digging a little deeper. Why do you need this validation? What is it about it? How can you relate it to yourself? And we don't say that to make it be like that you're doing everything wrong and dating. But at the end of the day, we are the common denominators. And the only people we can actually fix are ourselves. Mm -hmm. UA and I talk to people all the time. And I'd say the number one reason people are single that don't want to be is because they're fixated on the wrong person. Uh Yep. Yep. So what are our what are our takeaways here? If you find yourself in a situation ship, one is how do you alleviate the situation? So one way mm-hmm. we talked about is addressing this with your partner directly. There's no need to ask for advice anywhere else and be very forthcoming and direct about your feelings. Address it as soon as you start feeling those feelings and write things down that will keep things more objective so you can live yep. more in reality versus the metaverse of fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> What other takeaways can people do? Yeah, it's, I'd say change the narrative of what do they what do they want or what are they doing to what do I want? What am I doing about this? I think seeing yourself as that main character, as that person that someone's only so lucky to be with mm. will really shift your tolerance level for like inconsistent behavior, essentially. So I think that's a big one. And then... You know, what is fantasy and what is reality? Yeah. That is a big, important check. Oh, hell yeah. Definitely write those in two columns. Is this a fantasy yeah. That's that I'm living in or is this reality I'm living in? I met someone who says she has a life is too short list. So basically, people she doesn't want to talk to mm-hmm. goes on the life's too short list. Situations she doesn't want to deal with, she, it goes on the life's too short list. I feel like situationships can go on the life's oh, too short list. Yes. Life is too short for us to go from situation to situationship. That, let's get rid of it and find even if they're short relationships let's make them meaningful intentional relationships not these ambiguous whatever this is you want to call it i think the motto to live by is i'd rather know yeah you know i'd rather know where this is going what this person thinks about me if our feelings are mutual than to live in this state of ambiguity and even if that means getting quote unquote rejected more learning to say that isn't rejection it's actually helping propel and speed up my process of finding the right person because i'm not being stuck with the wrong people Mm -hmm. you're collecting information it's fantastic we're going to wrap up this episode but we do have announcements yeah so season 14 is right around the corner we will be launching season 14 on february 16th uh we have another fabulous bonus episode in the works for next week so have no fear but we'll be back full steam ahead for season 14 still can't believe we're on season 14 (laughs) seven years seven years and also don't forget we still have the 22 day dating app reset challenge that's underway we are closing Mm -hmm. that very soon uh this is a 22 day self-paced challenge where every day you get a tip or a hack or a a challenge or a task to basically help you slay online dating and by the end of the 22 days you'll be using the dating apps completely differently and as part of this challenge you also get a full comprehensive dating profile review by Julie and I. We've seen so many profiles that we can tell you what is working and what isn't. So get on that soon because that's coming up. That's We're closing that real fast. 
Yes, we are set to close it originally on Valentine's Day, but UA and I actually have been very overwhelmed by the amount of submissions for profiles, so we may actually be closing it a little earlier. TBD, we're still figuring it out. So if this is something that is top of mind for you, you've been thinking about it, get on it today because you don't want to get shut out of this. We're probably not going to launch this again for a bit. So findingyourperson.com slash apps, and you can sign up for the challenge. We We've heard really great things from the people that are in it currently. So looking forward to spreading the world with more daters <laughs> that know the gospel. <laughs> Just remember to follow us on Instagram at Datable Podcast. We're also on YouTube, also under the name Datable Podcast. We're everywhere under the name Datable Podcast. Nobody else can take that name from now on. And that's where you'll find all the announcements. And also you can have a direct line to us if you want to DM us with anything you want. And in return, we just ask for you to give us five star ratings in Apple Podcasts. Maybe just leave a little love note. We always appreciate that. That is exactly <laughs> what helps us get good guests, good content, and just bomb ass shows for you all. And we want to keep doing this. It might be the, the seventh year and the 14th season, but we want to keep going. We're going to keep this train going and going. Yeah. That's up to you all. This is our rebirth. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is our rebirth. What? feel like our, we should change our logo to like a phoenix or something. The rebirth. Birth of dateable. <laughs> okay, well, we're not rebirthing right now. We gotta, we gotta go. But uh, thanks so much for joining us on this bonus episode. We'll see you next week. We're gonna wrap this up. Stay dateable. The Dateable Podcast is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. Want to continue the conversation? First, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter with the handle at Dateable Podcast. Tag us in any post with the hashtag Stay Dateable and trust us, we look at all those posts. Then head over to our website, datablepodcast.com. There you'll find all the episodes as well as articles, videos, and our coaching service with vetted industry experts. You can also find our premium Y series where we dissect, analyze, and offer solutions to some of the most common dating conundrums. We're also downloadable for free on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Overcast, Stitcher Radio, and other podcast platforms. Your feedback is valuable to us, so don't forget to leave us a review. And most importantly, remember to stay dateable. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.